Welcome to Momentum HSS, a podcast where we explore the diverse present and future trends of the humanities and social sciences. This is your host, Darby Orcutt. I am a librarian, teaching faculty, and researcher at NC State University, an adjunct faculty at the School of Information and Library Science at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. My guests on this podcast are an amazing array, including associational leaders, funders, scholars with deep background in the themes we'll be discussing, and also individuals at different career levels, from student to full professor. Please feel free to listen to episodes in any order that makes sense to you. But if you are listening in order, you'll notice that the first several episodes feature my conversations with individuals at different stages of their academic careers, seeking to understand the special needs and challenges that each of them experiences at this particular stage. As you feel moved, I hope you'll reach out via Twitter, at Darby underscore librarian, or more privately via email at dcorcut at ncsu.edu. As always, I hope you'll be as I am, inspired, encouraged, challenged, and changed by what you're about to hear. My guest this episode, Heidi Noel McCann, is a full-time doctoral student in educational research and policy analysis within the Adult Workforce and Continuing Professional Education Program of the College of Education at NC State. She previously worked for more than 25 years within academic libraries, including the last 14 of her career at a community college in central Massachusetts, where she rose to Dean of Library and Academic Support Services, overseeing tutoring and placement testing in addition to library services. Welcome, Heidi. People come to PhD programs from a wide range of backgrounds, certainly many right away or very soon after their undergraduate studies, but many like yourself, Heidi, after a long career already. If you don't mind, could you start us off by sharing a little bit about that career and how it led you to the program that you're in now? Sure. So I I guess I I grew up with a love of libraries, a library card from an early age, and I sort of wound my way around to to my career. Um, I was undergraduate. I studied uh, journalism, and uh, but still had it kind of in my head that I would go into library science. I took a year off after my undergrad degree and thought about really what I wanted to do, and decided it it was still library library science. So ended up at Simmons Simmons College in Boston. I enjoyed my degree. I, I worked at a public library while I was doing my master's and um, continued on. I I was in Amherst. So Amherst College was there, UMass Amherst. Um, I found part-time work there while I was doing my library science degree. So at one point I had five libraries on my uh, resume all open that I was working at. So I had a real wide variety of experiences while I was in Amherst, Massachusetts. And uh, when the time came, I, I was able to apply for work, full-time work at a community college. I knew um, from my experiences at, at UMass and at Amherst College that academic libraries were where I wanted to be, but I was sort of undecided whether I wanted to go into public services or technical services. And so um, I ended up going in the direction of reference and instructional services from my experience at UMass Amherst, doing some some work there teaching. Spent um, many years actually at a small community college in central Massachusetts, an FDE at that time of about 3,500. I, I loved the experience. 
I took full advantage of every professional development opportunity that I had. But after about 14 years, I felt like I was ready to, to try something different, to go back to school. And the opportunity arose for me to apply for doctoral programs. I applied to a number across the U.S. and eventually settled on um, NC State in part because I was offered a grad assistantship. So that, that's how I got where I am. Where do you hope to go with your PhD? What are your career aspirations now? I remain open to whatever opportunities the universe <laughs> sends me. Um, this is a funny time to be thinking about career. I have always been open to working in the private sector. I have an MBA as an additional master's. Ideally, coming out of a degree, uh, my degree is officially educational research and policy analysis. I guess in my heart of hearts, I would love to do some work at state or federal level working on policy. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I see lots of opportunities that are sort of in a gray area working either kind of easing transition from K-12 into higher ed. I think there's some opportunities that I see there. I also have focused in my dissertation work on um, workforce education and that Again, I see it as an opportunity area. I see, um, I, you know, I, again, a dream opportunity would be to liaise between higher ed and um, employers. I think there's some opportunity there in terms of advisory board work, um, sort of doing translation services almost between uh, higher ed and what employers are looking for in terms of skills. So I, I'm open to lots of lots of options I see. I also am especially intrigued right now with uh, the growth of programs, educational programs within the private sector. I see companies like certainly Amazon and Google creating their own degree programs or certifications. And I see um, possibilities for work in that area. Luckily, my degree is technically my program area is adult workforce and continuing professional education. My focus on adult and community college education um, really straddles a lot of areas. And I, I think that's to my advantage, hopefully, when I go out into the workforce again. There certainly seems to be a, a trend towards institutions of higher education engaging much more in a hands-on way with careers, uh, with the private sector, with thinking about preparedness of their students for the workforce. That hasn't always been the case. Correct. So that perhaps opens up some opportunities, some space for, for you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. Um, a few years ago, so I don't know if you're familiar with the Dallas Herring lecture that happens. It's something that's sponsored by my program area out of the School of Education, the College of Education. We had a speaker who talked about kind of the evolution of where he saw community colleges, the focus being first on, um, you know, getting people, enrolling people in community colleges. And then there was kind of the next phase was completion, the completion agenda. And, and currently it seems like a lot of the work is on beyond completion. It's really the employment phase. Um, so can we get people through the degree, but also can we make sure that they have a shot at being fully employed. Uh, so I, I saw that as a trajectory kind of in research. 
And it was along those lines that I, I sort of fine tuned the focus of my dissertation to being on that, that kind of next phase of looking at beyond completion agenda. What would that look like? And, and this seemed like a good place for me to go with my work. Shifting gears just a little bit. You went from being someone who provided support to students and faculty to being a student yourself again. How did that shift to now having to focus more directly on your own needs, perhaps change your perspective or give you a new lens on how to support student success? Yeah, for the first few years, all I wanted to do was run back to my colleagues at the community college, uh, my library colleagues in particular, and say, aha, I get it. I get why everybody loves Google Scholar. So, you know, <laughs> after years of sort of trying to teach various database platforms, we were, as an institution, my community college was heavy on EBSCO products. And I, I certainly loved their interface. Their search interface is awesome. I started to see, at least at the graduate level, <laughs> the beauty of something like Google Scholar um, and why, why people would gravitate towards it, um, especially those who might be doing a doc doctorate degree. But... So can you repeat your question one more time? How it informed was it? Right. Or maybe how, how, how it changed your perspective on, on how to, how to support student success. But this is great. Just, just keep going. I want to hear more about this. Google Scholar for one. Yeah. How to support. Yeah. I, I guess it was also interesting to me to watch my fellow students, my colleagues, and also the faculty kind of, um, how they navigated or talked about library products. And, you know, I saw all these opportunities for instruction. <laughs> I, you know, I, I tried in my own little way to, to teach my fellow students about, um, library databases, but, uh, I, I, I think there's a lot of room for, for growth in this area. I, I think, I guess I think subconsciously a lot about, how how people are using databases. Um, I knew in in my role as a, a student myself, there wasn't much I could do about it. And, but in small ways, I tried to talk about library services just kind of conversationally. Uh, but I, you know, I, I think it's a, a hard thing. People are, they just need what they need and they need it then. And I, I don't see a lot of interest at all in learning more about how these databases work. And it's a shame. I, I don't know. That's a tough nut to crack. I don't have any big insight. Um, I can see that NC State is doing doing all the right things in terms of trying to provide, provide instruction, but I, I don't know where in the day um, grad students or those who are teaching grad students are going to make time to learn more about how the databases work. I, I think it's an interesting black box that I don't understand. I don't, I'd be very curious. I mean, I feel like that could be a dissertation. Like how are, how are faculty actually using these databases? You know, what are their perceptions of these databases? I'm sure somebody's already doing that dissertation or has done it. But I, to me, it was a curiosity, definitely a, a source of curiosity. How could somebody better provide instruct library instruction you know, on how to use these tools? I, I, I saw it happening in a few instances, especially, um, in my qualitative research class, Qual 2, we had um, a few library instruction opportunities. They weren't really mandated, though. I, I attended a few just to see um, what was being taught. But it, it sure it sure is a conundrum. I, I, I think it's, it's a big challenge. I mean, I certainly felt the challenge 
teaching classes, you know, instruction at the community college. And it just seems almost an impossibility at the grad level, um, how to make inroads to convince people that they might not know what they think they know, that there's some, some room for improvement possibly. So hats off to those who work with, with graduate students and, and the faculty who teach them. So where's that balance for you? Because it sounds like on the one hand, you're saying there's, there's perhaps a value in, in graduate students learning more about some of these resources. But on the flip side, there's a time element. There's a lot of things going on. Maybe they only have to learn so much. So what's the, what's the balance there to your mind? Yeah, I think probably it's difficult to teach it when, when grad students, when doctoral students in particular, I guess that's, that's the group that I'm currently most familiar with and maybe speaking to. When, when we're taking classes, it's, it's probably hard to cram in. Um, I think my program in particular, it would be, it would be difficult. Maybe some micro learning opportunities, kind of video on demand. I think there's some, maybe some room for that for people. And I, I know NC State makes a, a good number of videos available so that, you know, it's, it's more in the moment, just in time kind of bite-sized learning. But I, I will say that once you're sort of sent off into dissertation land, you have a lot more flexibility. And it seems like to front load maybe some instruction at the beginning would be invaluable. I mean, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with like IRB. Um, you know, learning about IRB, I think it should be almost like packaged neatly into something that um, people who are heading off to do dissertation could be steered towards. Um, it seems like that would be the ideal time to sort of front load into that dissertation mark, um, some instructional opportunity. That's an excellent idea. Going back to Google Scholar for just a moment, I wonder if you could unpack that. And what what is it exactly about Google Scholar that is so valuable to a PhD student? So the fact that it includes dissertations, um, all kinds of publications um, get scooped up in, in Google Scholar, the breadth of it, first of all, is, is definitely a strength. Beyond that, the, the fact that you can authenticate directly from Google Scholar, although it's, it's not perfect, it's, it's pretty good. About 95% of the time I was able to successfully authenticate and get to the the article or whatever it was um, that I had access in Google Scholar, you know, accessing it then in NC State's resources, which are vast, that made it invaluable in terms of a time saver, you know, in a series of less than five, 10 clicks to be able to get access to so many things, such a range of publications, book chapters, you know, you name it, it's in there. Um, just the expediency of that was, was ideal for me. Um, especially at the discovery phase of, you know, finding my topic, digging in deep and, and following all these threads, uh, that, that efficiency was, was ideal for what I was doing. And I can imagine it would be a selling point for a lot of people. Um, luckily, I mean, I think in my position, you know, as having a sense of, the library world and, and the realm of information and sort of how it's organized gave me a better sense of how to navigate because it's, it's so vast. It's, it's a plus and a minus. So I had a sense of kind of when I was heading down the rabbit hole, sort of how I got there and where I might be going, I can imagine it would be dizzying and overwhelming to a lot of people. But for me, 
Google Scholar has been a great starting point and the fact that it interlocks so nicely with NC State and the authentication process was was invaluable for what I was doing. Stepping back from library resources, instruction, just thinking much more broadly, what um, perhaps has changed about your perspective on student success and the sorts of supports that a university might give, uh, particularly to PhD students? What would be very, very valuable? Uh, I would say a clearer sense of who to reach out to with specific questions would be helpful. Um, I have attended numerous sessions that have been run by librarians, um, and I, I thought they were all very helpful and, and valuable, but I don't know at the end of the day, I knew who best to reach out to if I had a specific question. Um, you, of course, have been very helpful to me now that you know, I know your name and, and also the fact that I served on, um, the grad student ad um, advisory committee for the library. I kind of heard a little mm -hmm. bit about the inner workings and what was sort of maybe happening, uh, for libraries, what to anticipate. But I think almost to have, yeah, like a, a real clear sense of the name of the person I should reach out to. And I'm, I know that we in, in, the College of Education have METRIC. METRIC is an acronym for the Media and Education Technology Resource Center, the Curriculum Materials Center operated by NC State's College of Education, an affiliate library that coordinates with the larger NC State University libraries. Which is, is a wonderful resource and, oh my goodness, like to have things delivered there, to be able to pick them up so easily and drop them off, return them there was so helpful to me in my first three years. but. I'm not sure I ever really fully understood the best, best person for me to reach out to if I had more of a, a reference-y kind of question. So kind of a, a way to almost imprint on students when they come in, a name, a face, this is your way to get answers, I think, from the get-go would have been maybe in terms of facilitating student success, something that I could see um, targeted or something along those lines. Uh, I guess that would be what I would wish for. Well, thank you. So Heidi, most of those who provide support for PhD students and PhD faculty like yourself in your prior career never went through a PhD program themselves. What surprised you most about the PhD experience as you were going through it? I think it's a very varied experience. You know, NC State versus other schools, from my preliminary research, like looking at different programs, I, I don't know that I can speak, you know, broadly to what my experience was compared to anybody else's, but I think a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of impetus put on students to figure it out on your own. Um, and, you know, I, I suppose that's kind of, kind of probably a rite of passage in some ways that doctoral students, you know, you get to this point, you're supposed to know how to and be able to navigate things on your own. But what that really translates into is a huge reliance on other students to kind of pay it forward. Those who have gone ahead, you know, have ended up being so invaluable and, and so generous 
with their time and thoughtfulness. I can't underscore that enough that it's sort of something you get through together. And so Mm -hmm. when I look back on some of the most important moments in my experience thus far, I think to a lunch that I had with three other grad students who are in my program. Uh, we met at Jasmine across the street. Uh, we had lunch and they told me things that would be so important to me to get me through. Um, I, I wish I could tell you things that were very specific, but more importantly was this camaraderie that I, I immediately felt and understood that we were going to get through this together. And those three students who have all now got their doctorate, they're done, continue to be so important to me. Uh, they check in on me regularly. They are sounding boards for me whenever I am stuck or need some advice. They're my go-to. So I would say what surprised me in some ways was the looseness of how the experience, my experience at least, has been sort of run. Um, there's not a whole lot of guidance I've got from my program or from the faculty or, yeah, from the college, but more the, the most important bits of information I've got have been from, from fellow students. So that's my advice in terms of student success that I always give um, to incoming students or people who are considering doctoral programs is you you should expect and you should rely on other students to to help you navigate the process because they will know best and advise you most honestly about what lies ahead. That sounds like a really informal process. Do you think there are ways to to maybe formalize that sort of mentoring from cohort to cohort? I do. In fact, um, I know another program within my department has formalized it so that new students are matched, incoming students are matched with, I think, students who are at least maybe a year or so in. Uh, I think that that's an excellent idea. I am, I count myself very lucky in that I was a grad, a grad assistant and I was also one of the very few full-time students. There there were only really two or three of us um, at any given time, it seemed. Most people are working full-time or at least part-time somewhere else. I was working part-time as a grad assistant, but being kind of boots on the ground, seeing faculty was unusual. So yeah, so I I had kind of an accidental in and access to other students. I saw other students very often. But I, I think that I, I'll just um, shout out to the, the higher ed program within my department area. They they do have a more formal program. My program area has always tried. It's my understanding. And I, I was at the helm for some time. They have a, a student organization for the program area, but I, I don't know that that's a good fit for our program area. It, it didn't work maybe the way it could have in terms of being a resource to students, matching up, you know, helping students find each other. I, I think a more formal program like what the higher ed program does um, of matching one-to-one students is, is probably a better fit. What have you struggled with the most through the program, either directly with regard to 
courses and dissertation or, or more broadly with balancing your student life with the rest of your life? Uh, probably the biggest struggle for me was um, finding a dissertation topic. I came in to the program with no shortage of ideas, things that I wanted to study that I still want to look into. Um, and so it, it was, it was really to my detriment having so many areas of interest and seeing so many areas that I would love to, to study in a more formal way. So I, I really, I struggled more than most. A lot of the students in my program, because they're working in specific settings already, they have ready-made topics that they from day one want to study. And I, on the other hand, I, I struggled finding the topic. Um, I also struggled a bit because I, I had um, sort of mismatches with my advisor in the beginning. I, I had several advisors until I, I had my current advisor. So that probably didn't help either. So finding my topic probably took me better part of one and a half, two years. And that's a long time to be figuring something out. And when I do, I guess because of the librarian in me, you know, when I want to find out about something, I have almost too many information sources. I, I think you've probably seen it mm -hmm. in your collection development <laughs> activity. I mean, it, it's just, I'm all over the place. I see, I see books, I see articles, and I have to do that deep dive because I know how much information is out there. Um, and so it, it probably cost me extra time being able to get access to and wanting, feeling compelled to read all of those sources so that I really knew that this was an information gap, that it was you know a gap in, in the literature, that it was something that had not been delved into. So I, I, I feel like there are so many burning needs in education that for somebody to spend you know, almost two years trying to pick a topic is, is kind of a waste. Um, if I, if I'm to speak bluntly about it, I, I would much rather, you know, this is all easy in hindsight when it's all in the rearview mirror. I, I wish that I could have had that topic from day one, used my coursework more efficiently, which I tried to do, but to delve into the topic so that I would be spit into dissertation world with that topic and ready to run and to finish my dissertation much, much more quickly. I, I have to say, I'm, I'm extremely anxious to get back out into the working world to, to sort of start solving some of the problems that I see and to be still in dissertation writing phase this far on is a huge source of frustration for me. That's not an uncommon disconnect though, for PhD students in any discipline. Uh, it's oftentimes curiosity that brings them to the program, but too much curiosity can feel like a burden. Yeah, I, I can imagine. Um, I, I can only speak to my experience. I don't, yeah, I don't know. And this, that, that is actually helpful feedback for me because I mean, I think this is it. We're so isolated in some ways as doctoral students, we don't see the bigger picture and there's, there's a, it's very hard for us to gauge where we are in the spectrum of, you know, these student experiences. So even to hear something like that is sort of affirming and we don't, we don't get that kind of feedback very easily, I would say. 
is there time to not be isolated though i mean that's the, i you know thinking about the you know sort of the the culture and the the, the way that a, a phd program proceeds it's difficult to think about you know how do you how do you not isolate students but then also how do students find that space of isolation to do what they need to do how do you balance that i think it's very challenging for a program such as mine that really is heavy on part-time students, students who are doing their work in the evenings or early, early morning hours and weekends. I, I don't have an easy answer to that, but I will say that, you know, the, the virtual world that we've moved into with so much, you know, so easily accessible in terms of social interactions via platforms like Zoom, I think that that is an, an area that I hope you know, programs maybe think about when they talk about building connections between students so that it's just more easy for people to dip in and out of conversations. Up until pretty recently, my program had been trying to foster these social connections face-to-face during events. And, and that just, that just isn't going to work for a group of people who are mostly, you know, eight to four, nine to five out there and rushing to campus, taking classes and rushing back and trying to balance everything. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think giving students more of a range of options, especially virtual options to interact is, is probably the way to go and the way that we are heading no matter. And that would help people balance the opportunities. Um, so I, I think that's, that's definitely an upside to where we're headed. What have you enjoyed the most about? your work as a, as a PhD student. We've talked about some of the struggles. What, what have been the joys? Definitely making connections uh, with students in the program. Um, there's such a, it's, it's such an interesting variety um, of students in our program with such varied backgrounds, working in all kinds of settings. And, you know, everybody has these other lives. I, I, I used to, I think it's interesting in academia. I think that, you know, so many people have these other existences. And when you're a student, you get kind of to see a maybe a, a more rounded person. You see the student as a student, but then you get to know them outside the class and you see, wow, they have all these cool interests. So getting to know my fellow students and socializing with them and seeing seeing where everybody's coming from. I, I think maybe my program in particular, but I maybe I shouldn't speak to it that way, but I, I think we, we just have such a range of of backgrounds. Um, some people are coming from HR backgrounds. Uh, some people are coming from academia. We have international students in the mix. It's, it's just a really, it's, it's been a joy getting to know my fellow students and, and to fostering connections with them that way. But beyond that, I, I have wanted to be a student for so long. I, I am a student I will always be a student. And I remember when I was at the community college saying to the students then when I was working, wow, you guys are so lucky you don't realize how nice it is to be a student that the world revolves around you, you know, for some part of the day, for some part of of your existence. It's all about you. Enjoy that time. And I I kept saying to students, I'm going to be a student again. You watch, you see, I want to go back to school. And they would you know, look at me like I was crazy, but, um, so it's just been <laughs> fun to be a student. I, I love, I love the discovery process. I mean, if I were totally honest, as painful as it's been discovering my 
dissertation topic and, and deciding and picking the topic, um, it's also a ton of fun because I'm still pretty excited about learning. I, you know, after five years, it's not extinguished in me yet. I, I feel really passionate about my topic that I'm working on. Um, and I see the connections every day in the news. Um, especially right now, I feel like the topic that I'm working on is relevant to, you know, whatever recovery lies ahead post pandemic. I, I think it's useful and I, I feel like I will be helping people in some small way. So I guess the other, yeah, the other thing that I've really enjoyed is being a student and getting to learn. It's just, it's a ton of fun reading about something that may seem really esoteric to a lot of people, but also, you know, even doing that little elevator speech where I talk about, you know, the three minute thesis, what am, what am I writing about? I can see people kind of light up about it. And, you know, people are not academics get interested in my topic. And, and that's kind of in some small way, I guess I'm information sharing that there's that librarian in me still, still there. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I do enjoy the learning process. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So Heidi, I want to thank you so much. And as we wrap up, I, I want to ask you one last question. As you know, this podcast is intended for librarians and others who provide support to the humanities and social sciences broadly. What would you want to communicate to that audience maybe that you haven't had a chance to talk about already? What, what would you really want to make clear to, to those who are providing that? I can imagine it's a very difficult time to be a librarian. I, I worry a lot about my colleagues. I, I, I don't know right now what it's like to be a librarian at this moment, but I, I think a lot about the upcoming election and about the work that we did with information literacy. And I think it is so important and it's more important than ever. And I, I hope my, my library colleagues don't give up. I hope that they take heart and they know that what they're doing, what they've done is important. And I, I have not abandoned ship fully. I, I hope to loop back and, and to help, help my colleagues, um, post degree in some way, shape or form. But I think that information literacy, the way it's playing out is so important. It's more important than ever that, um, we, we fight that fight and that we encourage faculty to hold the line in terms of quality of resources that are accepted in, um, in the work that students are doing in, in classes. And so I, I hope that, that my, my librarian colleagues keep fighting that fight and it's a good fight and it's, it's worth, worth keeping at it. So, um, I hope that I can support librarians in the long run um, because it's so, so important, the work that's being done. Heidi, thank you again so much for sharing your perspectives and, and being open about your experiences. Really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. It's, it's a great opportunity. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I'm your host, Darby Orcutt. Be sure to subscribe to Momentum HSS on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your podcasts. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and share it with a friend. And until next time, keep up the momentum.